Welcome. Welcome to the Age of Organizational Effectiveness. This is the podcast that explores stories about organizations and their performance. I'm your host, Charles Chandler. Today, we're at episode number 131, and I'm calling it Change Your Organization. In this episode, I talk with Lindsay Agnes, who's a change guru in the UK and has written several books on change. We discuss her book, Change Your Business with NLP. And I'm now joined by Lindsay Agnes from the UK. Hi, Charles. Hey, Lindsay. This <laughs> afternoon over there. Yes, yeah, lovely to be here. Two o'clock in the afternoon in the UK. Yeah, uh, today we're going to talk about your book, uh, your 2010 book, Change Your Business with NLP, Powerful Tools to Improve Your Organization's Performance and Get Results. There's a couple of things to unpack here. Um, first, about change, and then the tool set for NLP. Okay. So, in your experience, why do organizations come to you when they need the change? Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting question, Charles. I mean, I think there are many, there are many reasons actually, but the the most, I suppose, common reason that they would come to us is that um, because they're struggling with getting the people in their organization to do something differently, you know, in terms of, and usually it's around a culture shift, a, be, a behavior shift, a mindset shift. So the organization may have a clear strategic direction for the future uh, and they need to sh- shift a few things, uh, but the staff are often lagging behind, you know, the people side, they're often lagging behind. And they would come and uh, and speak with with us at, at Change Corp about really helping them understand how could they start to take their people on a journey of change. Uh, and you know, if you're familiar with with the the Kubler Ross change curve, you know that the leaders are usually quite a long way ahead of their. Uh, people, you know, on on the change curve, and often they need some support, you know, in in helping their people shift through that. So I guess that's probably the common, the, the most common reason why people would come and uh, and talk to us around the topic of change. I think somewhere in, you, in your book you mentioned that organizations often come to you six months into a change program when things are not going quite so well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's difficult than they thought. Yeah, that that happens very often. You know, very often we um, we might have a conversation with an organisation, and they're pretty. Com- We've got a client at the moment actually where we are doing some work, but they're very confident they can do the implementation themselves, uh, and they'll often say, "Oh, you know, our HR department can can help with that, can support that." Uh, and I think what the reality is when they get into the implementation then they start to realize that it's a lot more complex than they thought it was going to be. You know, often you get uh, the HR department and this is, this is a universe, bit of a universal, but often, you know, they might say to people, this is how we need you to change. Uh, and then they get surprised when people don't change automatically. You know? So, so they start struggling and, uh, and then they come to a, a, somebody like me to help them catch up, you know, and help bring their people through. Yeah, well, you know, your book is about changing your business with NLP. And yeah. NLP is, I'm going to have to say it right, neuro linguistic programming. Programming, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So unpack those three words for us. What yeah, definitely, Charles. In fact, it, it was created in the States originally in the, uh, in the early 70s. So it's been around now for you know, about 50, 50 years. But it's, it's neuro-linguistic programming. And it is a bit of a mouthful, but it's really around, first of all, the, the neuro side is around how do people think uh, because, you know, we're, we're never more than we think we can be. And so what goes on in our minds and what goes on in the mindset of a team or the mindset of an organisation will drive ultimately how successful they are or not. So understanding neuralistic, you know, neurologically what's going on is important. Lingu linguistics is about what we say. Uh, and uh, and often, you know, you get metaphors in organisations in terms of the way they use their language. You know, so you might be in one organisation, they talk about, you know, they're having battles and, it, and it's a struggle. Uh, whereas another organisation, it, it could be, you know, very easy and, and very straightforward. So the way people use language will often also drive, you know, what they're thinking about and their ultimate behavior and we can you know shift a lot just by thinking about and, and supporting people in in how they use their their language and then uh, programming is really around what we do ultimately and uh, and one of the uh, inventors or creators of NLP Richard Bandler came from a computer programming background which is where I think the word programming comes from uh, but it's really around our, our part, our beliefs, you know, what do we believe is possible? Uh, what do we believe we can do? What's our programming up until this moment that drives how successful we might be uh, in, in future? And of course, you know, an organization will have a set of beliefs about what's possible. It will have a history that drives the beliefs of what, it's, what is possible. And, and every individual in that organization will have their own belief set about what they what they can do or can't do. So, you know, simply we say it's around what we think, what we say, and what we do. And it's really around that model of excellence and really thinking about, you know, how can we be the very best version of ourselves or as a team or as an organization? So that was quite a long answer, but I hope that helps to explain what it's what it, what it's about. And I think it is a model that really helps in organizations because it does start to connect the kind of neuroscience with the behavior and with the outcome and, and the results. Yeah, well, to put this in context, you know, there's a lot of folks out there that are doing change management, um, not necessarily with NLP. Mm. Um, how would you characterize the other folks that are coming to this world um, with, without MLP, NLP? Um, you know, I'm a member, member of the Academy of Management, and right. there's a, a group there uh, for organizational development and change. Uh, yep. And I think you would say that's from sociological background. Um, now, NLP comes out of perhaps a slightly different world, but can you give us a little context of how these things fit together? Yeah, sure, Charles. And, and, I, and I kind of come from both worlds in a way you know because when I first started my consulting career you know I was I was taken on by PricewaterhouseCoopers and so much of my earlier training was really around those more traditional 
change management models, which you know I absolutely agree have, have got a, a, an important role to play. And things like uh, you know planning, stakeholder management, communications, learning and development, you know, all of that, that good stuff is, is out there and absolutely valid. And it's you know, it's work that I've done a lot of myself over the years. What I found quite interesting was when I started learning about NLP, which was in the late 1990s, so a while ago now, was to me it kind of unlocked a piece that was always a mystery to me, which was, you know, you could do all of the change management stuff, uh, but you didn't necessarily still get the right outcome in, in the organisation, or you didn't get as good as outcome as may have been possible. And, and I think that's because with NLP, it, it kind of gives you another layer and that is really around understanding, you know, what is going on in the behavior and mindset of this organization and, uh, and what can we learn about its history and its belief system, as I said, the way it uses language, all of those things that could really help enable this change to happen more effectively. So it's not that the other tools don't work. For me, it was almost like NLP unlocked a question that I'd always had in my mind, which was, you know, how do we get to that result even faster? And how do we do that work with teams or with individuals that helps them understand, you know, what they need to do themselves to get to where the organization, you know, want, wants to go. So NLP to me was very results orientated and, and it helped understand why if you don't get into, um, if you like the, the belief system then often the change will get stuck it's a, it's a bit of a difference between you know I might run a brilliant training course on um, let's think of a topic on presentation skills you know I could deliver that and, and it would go pretty well but if you've got people in the room that at the, at the end of the day don't really believe they're ever going to be a good presenter then that training course will only ever have a, li a limited impact so you know NLP almost adds a layer, which is around helping the organization build that confidence uh, around getting the result that it that it wants to have. And and also it's a bit like um, specifying what those shifts would be. So, you know, to take that down to a very granular level, you know, in terms of the behaviors, the mindset that would need to be evident in that organization to achieve what it needs to achieve. So I think it's, you know, you, you can do it without NLP. Plenty of people do. I think it adds something to my practice that, um, that just helps move people and helps give them a greater understanding of, what, uh, of, what, of what's required. So does that answer the question? That was quite a long answer to your question. Uh, but I think, you know, having come from a background where I started as a change management consultant, you know, that was my bread and butter at, uh, at PwC. Um, and then putting the NLP on top, you know, I could really start to see the differences. Yeah. Well, I always see management as a cognitive technology. Uh, mm. It sort of asks uh, ask, where are we? How are we doing? Where do we go from here? Kinds of questions. Mm. I think what you're bringing to the table now is an NLP body of knowledge that um, you know informs some of that discussion. Uh, you're looking for patterns of language, I guess, for one thing, um, and knowing what what's happening on the inside the organization based on the, the patterns of language that you're hearing. 
and, and their own self-assessment and then moving from that. Yeah, and, and patterns of behavior it's a bit like uh, you know in, in management we talk about the iceberg you know and you see there's bits you can see very easily above the water level which might be you know the policies and procedures of, of an organization the reward and recognition how they recruit all that good stuff underneath the, the surface level is all that other stuff which uh, is around you know the values what's important to the organization you know, how do people behave? What do they believe is, is possible? Uh, as you said, Charles, you know, how do they use their, their language? Um, all of that is, is much less easy to get your arms around. So, you know, having something like NLP just helps to do that analysis work and, and say really pinpoint where the organisation might need to go and to make sure, you know, they've also got very clear goals in terms of the direction that they're moving into. Yeah, well, your book is divided into four parts. Uh, first is transforming leaders, then transforming teams, yeah. transforming organizations, and transforming customer service. Um, there's a lot about transforming there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, I, there is. I mean, I suppose in terms of my own interests, you know, I, I'm really interested in making big differences uh, in, in individuals, teams, organizations, customer service, you know, it's, uh, I mean, obviously you could, you could make some small shifts, but I deliberately use the word transforming because I wanted the book to be very practical and give some, you know, practical toolkits that people could take away and start to work on. Uh, and, and so, you know, the first part is really around how do I understand what I believe is possible for me, you know, what's important for me, what kind of creature am I, you know, where are my strengths, uh, where are my areas for, for development, what is it that goes on in my head, you know, in terms of my nervous system, uh, and then with, with teams, it's really around well, what makes a high performing team, you know, and, uh, and when we're working in organisations, how to use NLP in a change project, to really, you know, influence and guide people in a direction that you want them to go in. Uh, and, uh, and customer service is really around, you know, how do you transform the way that you build relationships and influence others? Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, it was a package. I felt as though I kind of downloaded everything that I'd learned over the years and, uh, and, and packaged it in a way that I really wanted to make it easy for people to be able to pick up and be brave enough, you know, confident enough to um, to experiment with those team, uh, those tools for themselves and uh, and with their teams. Yeah, I found a lot to like in the book. Um, I was a bit of a skeptic, I think, going in. Right. <laughs> uh, but I didn't know anything yeah. about NLP. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad, Charles. I'm glad that we managed to influence you a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I think it was a highly structured approach and uh, uh, a lot of uh, detail there in a how-to sort of format. Mm. So if, if you get into the book, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, exercises and, and uh, sort of cheat sheets you can use to uh, design your own program. Uh, yeah. So I think, you know, people will perhaps be surprised by the level of detail and the practicality uh, once they get into it. Um, is, is that what you had in mind? Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I like, I suppose, I, you know, I 
I, I like to think because of my background uh, that I, I come from a fairly logical, ordered place. Uh, but what's important to me is to have a book that I don't just read and I think, oh, that was interesting. You know, and then it goes back on the shelf. I have a, I read a book and, I, and I'm motivated to do something, you know, do something different. So I don't know, Charles, if there was anything in there that you felt, actually, you know, I'm willing to give that a go. You know, I'm going to take that away. Uh, maybe something for yourself, you know, the people that, uh, that are around you. But that's, that's always my outcome is to give people enough detail. That's why there's quite a lot of detail in there so that they have got the confidence to be able to take one of the questionnaires or one of the tools and, and have a go for them for themselves. Because, you know, books are only really, to me, you know, and this is, of course, um, a, a non-fiction book, you know, they're, they're really useful when you get something that you can take away and, and use straight away. So they're the kind, I suppose they're the books I really enjoy uh, because I, you know, I can go and use stuff. Uh, and so I try and write my books, you know, in the same in the same kind of format. As I mentioned, there is a bit of detail. There's things like the meta model and the Milton mm. model and logical levels of change framework. Uh, yeah. You know, it's easy to get bogged down into the weeds sometimes. But um, would you like to give us a little bit of flavor uh, of some of those uh, aspects? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, you know, the, L the LN NLP is around linguistics and when you start to learn NLP uh, and, we, and the, the kind of entry level when you if you wanted to learn more is our is practitioner training you know and, and you can go and learn to be a practitioner at many schools and institutes you know all over all over the world but at practitioner level we we learn two models and one is called the Milton model and one is called the meta model and, I, and I'll give you a, a flavor of, uh, of both. So Milton is from the, the great hypnotist stroke uh, change agent, Milton Erickson, who, uh, who sadly is no longer with us, uh, but he used his language in a way that was artfully vague uh, and very influential. So I'll give you an example. So he might say something, and it's really important that you have rapport with people, you know, to, to be able to use this, this model, which is why in NLP, we always talk about, you know, it's really important to build a relationship, build rapport, uh, because then, you know, you can use language and people will accept it and be influenced by it. But, you, you know, it might be something like, uh, we would call it a, 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 a deliberate mind read. So, you know, I could say to somebody, you know, I know that you're going to learn something really useful from this podcast this afternoon. You know, that's that's an example of a Milton model mind read. It's uh, it's plausible. We don't have the evidence, actually, <laughs> that people are going to go you know, learn something really useful from this podcast. It is plausible. And of course, you know, that is my intention that they are going to learn something useful. But you can imagine when you're working with individuals or a team, you know, to, to use mind reads in a very deliberate way can help build confidence, you know, and build the interest and, uh, and motivation of people. So something like that is an example of, of the Milton model. And, and there are about nine, that's one pattern, a mind read. There are like 19 different, different patterns. And we can use them to, to build motivation, confidence and morale in a very deliberate way. 
On the other side of the coin, we've got the meta model, which, uh, which was developed from a family therapist called Virginia Satir. And, and what Virginia Satir was very good at, she was very good at asking very structured questions to unlock people that were stuck, you know, in, in their thinking. So an example of a meta model question would be something like, um, you know, a, a team member might come up to you in a change project and they might say, well, they always think they're right, you know, and they're quite cross about that. And what's interesting about that language, the constructive language is uh, who, are they, who are they really talking about? Uh, and so often we might ask a meta model question, well, who specifically behaves like that? Which really, you know, re recovers who it is that's behaving in that way. And often it, it helps the individual to take back the responsibility for what might be going on. You know, that somebody might come to you in a change projects and say, oh, the leadership team, you know, they make me so angry at the moment. And you might think, well, that's interesting. You know, what is it that the leadership team is doing that's causing you to choose to feel angry? So, you know, helping that person realise that actually it's not really the leadership team that's making them feel angry. It's how they interpret that particular uh, incident or, or situation. And they can choose to not be angry as well. So we, we learn these two models uh, in a very interesting way. So, you know, we can use the Milton model to deliberately construct our language uh, to help people feel confident, uh, build their morale in a particular situation, or we can use the meta model to, to you to um, ask very structured questions, which helps that person understand that it's not all about out there, you know, it's actually what's going on in their heads that, uh, that's important. So I'll just pause there for a second before I talk about the other model, but how, does, that, does that help, Charles? Yes, I think it does. Uh, it provides a, a little insight into some of those areas. Would you also like to focus on uh, the logical levels of change framework? Yeah, the logical levels of change. I mean, and that's really around this idea that I mentioned earlier is that, you know, you have many levels of change. And in an organization, you know, you, you might see an, someone going in and operating at a level of skills development, for example. You know, so they might go in and they might deliver a, a training program or a training project, but it doesn't necessarily deliver change, not, in, or not for the long term. You know, there might be some people on the training course that get quite a lot out of it. Um, but probably after a few weeks, you know, most people will have forgotten about the training anyway. Whereas what we what we like to do in NLP is think about, OK, how can we connect to this person's behavior and values and ultimately at an identity level? So there's these kind of layers of the change conundrum, if you like, and every layer is a bit more intense and would help deliver a longer term change than the layer before uh, and ultimately at an identity level it's kind of like well who are you you know who is this organization it's a very different type of question to running a, a, a training course uh, and if I go back to that example uh, I used earlier of um, of running some presentation skills training you know if, if people want to go 
and learn a skill, you know, that's that's okay on one level. Um, if it's really important to them, a values level, uh, they'll probably pay more attention. Uh, and ultimately, if they need to be able to deliver well for the organisation, they're probably going to pay more attention from a behavioural perspective. So, you know, when you want long term change in an organisation, it's really important to connect, especially into the values. So, you know, what's important to that organisation and what's important to the people that work in that organisation have to be aligned on some level. If they're misaligned, then you know, you're not likely to get the sustained long-term change that, um, that you need. So the levels are around, you know, how do you build that model um, working at a different level of intensity um, at every level, level of the model? Does that, does that make sense? Yes, it does. Um, because of um, you know, the format of this podcast, we can't get in too much of the detail. Yeah. But uh, certainly it's in the book and uh, I found it quite interesting. Um, you know, we're coming to the end of our time together, but is there something we have not talked about that you'd like to leave us with? Yeah, I think one of the things that I also talk about in the book, which is, is, is quite simple really, and yet I think people forget about it a lot of the time, is, uh, is in our, you know, we talked about NLP being the study of excellence, and one of the ways that oh, through the years we've been able to deliver that is to hone this model of modelling that we call, you know, modelling. And um, and that and in organisations, one of the things that I have done at times, which is a pretty simple thing to do, is to say, okay, you know, who are the models of excellence in this organisation? And that could be around model leaders. It could be around model salespeople, you know, whatever it might be. And then deconstructing what's, how do they achieve that excellence? You know, what is it that they do, first of all? You know, what are the strategies that they adopt? Uh, and very importantly, you know, what's going on? What do they think and feel? What do they believe is important? What are their beliefs about themselves that enable them to be as successful that they are as they are? So we kind of build this model up, which is not only about you know how they might outwardly behave, it's also about what's their belief system and what's their thought process. Because you know, you can often learn some very interesting uh, beliefs, and then you can teach that model to other people. And, and I've done that many times, you know, around leadership. I've said, okay, you know, I'll, I'll be delivering a leadership program and, and I'll ask the group, I'll say, who's a, who's a great model of leadership in this organization? And they'll say, oh, this person. So we get them in, you know, we get them into the course and we, um, we interview them and we, and we create a model of what makes them, you know, really excellent. And then of course, through doing that, the other people on the, on the training course can learn a lot from that individual and then choose, you know, to adapt and think about those beliefs, you know, try those beliefs on for themselves and start to shift their behavior. So I think modeling in NLP has a lot, has a lot to offer at all levels, you know, of, uh, of an organization. So, uh, so that's something else, you know, that I think is a very easy tool for people to, to take up and to use for, for themselves. Been great having you on the podcast today, Lindsay. How can people best uh, connect with you and learn more about some of these areas? 
Yeah, thanks, Charles. Well, we my website is called thechangecorporation.com. That's uh, that's all one word. Uh, you can go on there and uh, and find out more about what we do uh, in the corporate world. Please email me, uh, Lindsay, which L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, at thechangecorporation.com. And uh, always delighted to engage in uh, interesting conversations with people about NLP. Excellent. Well, we'll have links to those in the show notes. Um, so thanks very much for being uh, with us today, Lindsay. Yeah, thanks, Charles. And that's about it for today. Join us again next time when we'll again consider stories about organizations and their performance. That's all for now. So long.